Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Eric Klein. I help make this podcast. And I'm Paul Reismanel. I also help make this podcast. And with us on the line from San Francisco is our friend Jennifer, who also makes the podcast. It's true. <laughs> and, and, and your full name is Jennifer Waits. I it's should have tr- used yes. your full name. <laughs> Today, Jennifer, you sounded a little bit... Uh, you sounded like you were, you're resigned to the fact that you helped make this podcast. Like you've worked a little <laughs> too hard today. It's true. Well, you guys do a lot of the heavy lifting. But you brought all the tape today. Uh, yeah, you, you're the one who traveled uh, to Arkansas and bring us tape to bring us tape from uh, a college radio tour. And you're the one who, uh, who got started listening already to college radio day broadcasts yeah. from uh, Europe and other parts of the globe ahead of the day starting here in North America. So you've already put in a lot of time. So we're, we're taking another tour of an Arkansas station today? We yes. are. Oh, goody. Yes, the travels continue. I love it because, um, you know, that was a hole in our experience. We didn't know much about uh, the southern United States uh, community radio landscape I mean, knew about it, but we haven't really uh, called that many radio people on the phone or had them on the show. And here we are, uh, two two shows in a row talking about Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be. I'm really looking forward to that. There's some there's some really great stuff that uh, Jennifer has to share, and uh, we'll talk about in a minute that we're recording today on National College Radio Day. It's not even national; it's just College Radio Day, right? Uh, well, it's it's World College Radio World Day. World College Radio Day, maybe maybe uh, it could it could be universal. We don't know. There's College Radio on Alpha Centauri. We don't know. <gasps> oh, somewhere one of the, <laughs> one of the one of the big SETI dishes is you know picking up uh, somebody playing uh, the uh, galactic doppelganger of Black Flag. See, this is a real 2016 fantasy of escapism. <laughs> so am I going to take a rocket to a college radio station on another planet? You and Neil deGrasse Tyson are going to Mars. Wow. <laughs> and the ghost of Carl Sagan. <laughs> and the ghost of to, Carl Sagan. To college radio He's just in another space. dimension. Yeah. That's all. Uh, I can't wait. It's, he's in the multiverse. Um, so we'll be talking about that in a little bit. Uh, thank you uh, both, uh, Eric and Jennifer, for doing a great show last week. I had to take a little bit of leave because um, I'm a little tired. <laughs> you are working hard in the podcasting mind. I've been working, but, you know, I've been, I mean, I've been a little burned out, period, like for half this year. So I really appreciate, uh, you know, both of you stepping up. And Jennifer, you've done doing, stepping up not just for the podcast, but you've been, uh, stepping up totally at radiosurvivor.com where um, I haven't been writing so much and I want to get back into the loop. And it's it's one of these things. And I think this is, you know, probably folks who've done community radio, college radio, podcasting. Labors of love. No, Yeah, no, we're talking about, right? That that you, you kind of go with the pedal to the metal for a while, often on top of your day job or day jobs in many cases. And then you find that the that their tank starts to run dry. And, uh, you know, and I feel really lucky that I, I, I work with uh, both of you and Matthew Lassar um, because uh, we're able to kind of shift off this way, 
right? So I've continued to work on the podcast, but I haven't done a lot of writing. And then uh, both of you uh, have been able to sort of step in and do the podcast when I'm not around or, or don't have the time to do that. And, you know, like if this were just my podcast – you know, that would, it wouldn't be able to happen. Right. Or if it were just my website, it wouldn't be able to happen. And that was sort of the insight that, that Matthew had, uh, now seven years ago when he first called me up and said, you know, let's do this together and let's find more people to do with us. <laughs> right. In part, we'll be stronger together. We would be apart, you know, also, uh, thinking that, you know, stronger because, you know, it is both that there's more voices, there's more diversity. We cover more things, um, as well as, right, it allows us to step in for each other. And I mean, that's community radio. That's college radio, right, is that you have this collaborative aspect that means that uh, the whole show can continue to go on even as people may fade in and out, come and go, and come back, right, uh, go away and come back. So I just want to say thank you very much for that as I've kind of <laughs> – Kind of been uh, dealing with being burned out on some of this, uh, I think. Um, well, tell us what you've been working on, Paul, because there's a there's a there's a kernel of uh, of Radio Survivor in there somewhere. There is, yeah, absolutely. So you know, so my day job is in podcasting, uh, and I work for a company called Midroll Media, and they own a podcast network called Earwolf. That has grown and grown. That has grown and grown and grown. A lot in a very exciting way this year. Yeah. Earwolf is known for uh, shows like Comedy Bang Bang, How This Get Made, or two of its most popular shows, generally comedy, although they've been bran- we've been branching out into other things like uh, Katie Couric now has a show with Earwolf, for instance, and we have like a political comedy talk show called Fake the Nation, uh, hosted by this great uh, comedian author, uh, Nagin Fassad. Um, so... You know, we have uh, a lot of different sh- things going on. And this year we decided to throw our very first podcast festival called the Now Hear This Podcast Festival. It happened uh, last weekend. So uh, so there would be October 28th through the 30th sure. in the, Anaheim, California. The very moment that Jennifer and I were recording last week's episode. Indeed. Just yeah. That's uh, right. a stone's throw from Disneyland, although I did not step foot on or near Disney otherwise, uh, at the Anaheim Marriott. And, you know, I think a podcast festival is sort of, it's a new thing, right, in part because podcasting is new. But this is not the first one. There is something called LA PodFest, which has been happening for several years in Los Angeles, um, in Beverly Hills. Uh, There's a, I think there was recently a a Chicago PodFest. There's been a Philadelphia PodFest. There's been a Brooklyn PodFest. And they've, a lot of these have been sort of really grassroots kind of uh, local and fairly localized affairs, right? They tend to focus on shows that are based in and around uh, their cities where they're hosted. And our attempt this time around with now here, this is to create something a little bit bigger. So we had, and, and, and that not just featuring shows from our network. So we had shows from uh, Slate's plant panoply network, uh, which include the Trump cast, uh, the gist with Mike uh, Pesca, and the Dear Prudence, which is like an advice podcast. Um, we included one from Maximum Fun, which is based in LA. We had Jordan Jesse Go. We had uh, shows from NPR. Um, so they all, all those folks flew in from New York or or uh, Washington. Like NPR's Embedded was one show we had there. Their pop culture happy hour and their new show with Guy Raz called uh, How I Built This. Um, Doug Loves Movies. So we tried to really kind of have this kind of ra- uh, wide representation. So not just comedy, right? So that we would also had like embedded kind of basically pr- 
gave a audio visual uh, version of their show. So because they took advantage of the live format and had photos and 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 live sort of sound and everything else, so a very scripted, well produced affair. In other shows, it was much more of like loose talking. And so there's a lot of work that went in ahead of that. And I went down and I um, coordinated our social media team. So this is we had folks who were there to kind of tweet and Instagram and Snapchat all the shows that were going on. Uh, and it was uh, 34 total shows. So on Saturday, there were like six stages going on. So you might have had four or five going on simultaneously. The mind boggles. Yeah. I mean, and, and many, many fans told me that they had Sophie's Choice. Do I go see this one or that one, right? How do I how do I portion up my time? Which is often the case at like a festival or like a music festival. Slightly or lower stakes than Sophie, but yeah, I, yeah, I can say yeah, right. Well, it depends, <laughs> so depends people, on how much of a fan you are. <laughs> so people are watching live recordings of podcasts. Is that essentially what's going on? Yeah. More or less. And so some shows, they, they actually are not recording it for their podcast because oh, wow. uh, they're relying so much on the visual that it doesn't quite translate. Yeah, um, that's what I was wondering. Um, and 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 so I think it's show by show. They make their own choice. They don't have to. And that is sort of an interesting thing, right, about podcasting. And then going to this festival in particular, and I've been to other podcast festivals, but going to this one in particular sort of brought that in relief because I think previously the, the, the festivals I've been to, you could take for granted that they were recording for uh, – that they were really live recordings. And in this case, actually, some of the shows are just simply doing a live performance. Um, you know, and uh, and that seems to be something which is happening more, where some podcasts are simply doing live performances that not for the recording. So Welcome to Night Vale is a show that tours. It's a very popular podcast. Mm. And to the best of my knowledge, they're live recording. They don't do live recordings. They do live shows. They do live shows uh. based upon what they – based upon their podcast, but they're separate things. I like that because that gives them the opportunity to repeat themselves – Right, the they way do the that same theater show. used to exist. Right, exactly. I mean, it's interesting, right? So we're seeing like how podcasting, in some ways, is a throwback. In that we now see radio drama taking a new home in podcasting. Um, much of podcasting looks, you know, sounds like talk radio. Uh, sounds like talk radio has been over the years, whether it's sort of the morning show kind of format. Or, you know, other formats. And then some of it is sort of unique. A lot of the improv comedy, I think, is a little different. And yet, it's not different necessarily from things like, you um, do you know, The Thousand-Year-Old Man, which were comedy records. It was Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks um, released in the 60s. Or things like uh, The First Family, which was uh, the uh, a record parody of The Kennedys. Or like the National Lampoon Radio Hour, which tended towards more scripted. But that's where like, you know, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd and a lot of folks who would go on to be on the first season of Siren Live got their start. And that stuff was scripted, but probably only, you know, there's probably improv in that as well. And, and podcasting is a bit of a throwback to that. And my understanding is that a lot of those shows, which also released records, also would do, they also did live appearances. Yeah, the even like Monty Python man. would do live appearances. 2,000-year-old man, sorry, I'm sorry. I had, to, I had to Google it to I check made him, I made him too young. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to me how a lot of these forums are sort of coming back in, in this right. idea that podcasts are having a live performance aspect. And I understand that for some podcasts, it's really supplementing their income. 
like because you know they aren't free. Right. <laughs> you know it, it, what this was not a free podcast festival. People um, people paid to be there, and 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 all in total, I said there was about thirty four podcasts. Um, and I, about 21 of them were not from our network and about a a little over a thousand people attended, uh, to see these shows. Jeez. So gosh, if we were going to interview you as the expert today, (laughs) we'd be, we'd be talking about social media marketing around events, around podcasts. Yeah. I mean, I'm still figuring out if, how well it went. Yeah. I mean, the ethos uh, we brought to it, and of course I didn't come up with this on my own. It was you know, there was a team of us who, who sort of went through. Was we wanted we didn't we weren't trying to live tweet it, meaning it, this wasn't a substitute for being there. Yeah. So much it was a way to, for people to feel like they got a little bit of a taste, and a little bit of it is to sort of say, well, you should have been there. We're here. We're here. We're here. We're here. Yeah. You should have been there. And I think there's a little bit of that, which I think radio stations and podcasts can take away that you give tastes right. And the ultimate thing, though, is it's because we want you to check out our uh, – we want you to check out our podcast, our broadcast, et cetera. And I think that's the same thing. And some of these shows, of course, are released – have released even this week their live recording as an episode. So you know, it's a little bit of promotion for that. But it's just to get people more tweaked to it. And, and you know, because these are live performances, there's, an ele- there's, a, there's a great opportunity to take photos, to do Instagram – and in some cases, they were visually interesting. Uh, we have a show called Hello from the Magic Tavern, which is a, a comedy audio drama. And they showed up in costume, you know, for for the uh, – for dressed as their characters. Um, and then in some cases, a lot, the shows were really interactive. So they invited uh, – the attendees to come up on stage and take quizzes, participate in games, or they had Q and A's hmm. and things like that. So they, you know, a lot of shows really take advantage of the fact that they are live and they're in front of an audience. So it's not just a performance, um, and it's not just not just Q and A. Although so many shows did that. So this is what you're making me think of now for the first time: is that uh, podcasting is uh, is entering us its second decade. It's really yeah. the first decade of yeah. podcasting wow. is is sunsetting, and we're we're really heading into another another you know another decade of of innovation and change and growth. That's right. Yeah. Uh, neat. Yeah, and there's a couple more highlights I just wanted to to kind of lay out there, you know, in terms of my observations, in that you know. Uh, one uh, one of the shows I went to was WTF with Mark Marin. Um, haven't heard of it. Haven't heard of it. Right, no one's heard of it. Um, long-standing podcast. Is it any good? About seven years ago, it was. Sorry, teasing. And I think Mark does live podcasts here and there. And usually, yeah. it's it's sort of a panel version of his show. He usually gets like three or four guests, and he does short interviews with them. That's smart, you know, and and sort of makes it panelized. So I've seen one of those before. Um, in this case, he decided he was his guest, his co-host would be his his producer, Brendan McDonald. Inside baseball. It's it was a very inside baseball. So for people who love podcasts and podcasting or love his podcast, it was interesting and fascinating. Yeah, because Brendan has been there with Mark uh, prior to the lights really going on at Mark at WTF Industries. You know, when yeah. Mark Marin was really just a podcast. Uh, you know, where where very few people were paying attention, Brendan was there uh, working with him. So yeah, it, yeah. They, they've been together up through the uh, meteoric rise. And they like read through like – so what they did is Brendan said, well, I'm going to bring things to prompt you with, Mark, but you don't know what they are. I remember way back 
when I listened to every single episode of WTF, Brendan, Mark and Brendan were toying with the, with the notion of whether or not Brendan was going to be an on the mic character oh, right. yeah. in the world of WTF. And at some point, uh, that didn't. Yeah. Cause Brendan is an experienced radio producer. He's, I think he's worked at Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. Um, he's worked in television. Um, he was working at MSNBC, uh, when they first started, um, uh, the wow. show, but he had been at Air America is how they met when Mark was an Air America host. And, you know, I remember they, they he brought these emails that they had written back and forth early on talking about, hey, this might actually work. Way back in uh, like, We've got 150 downloads already, seven? man. Yeah, like 2009, I think, is, yeah. is really it. And it was, so it was fascinating to hear them talk a little <laughs> bit about that inside baseball and talk about a little bit about some of the interviews they haven't aired because they think they didn't work. Hmm. And, you know, and really said, you know, that for the most part, they haven't kind of killed an interview because of its contents, more or less. Um, and that often even there's been interviews where they thought, oh, like this person really revealed something maybe they wouldn't want to go. But then the interviewee has said, no, I, I want it to go out or said, hey, when's this coming out? Huh. But one that I didn't know about, and they played a little bit of audio from, was with Jerry Lewis. Wow. Who now is like 90 something years old. And uh, they uh, didn't run it. Because, you know, they had said to his management, look, we need him on a fresh day because this is going to be like an hour interview and we're going to ask him to go kind of deep. And if he's, you know, been doing like a press junket, he's just not going to he's not going to be up for it. Like, yeah. you know, and that's um, and that's just not because, you know, like that's just anyone we interview kind of we, we tell they need to be a fresh day. Like you can really imagine, though, an old uh, seasoned comedian show business person like Jerry Lewis really not giving a crap about this particular moment on the microphone. Right. I, I'm, I mean, I'm except Mark has interviewed, you know, Mel Brooks. Mark Mark's sure. interviewed people who are ever just slightly I think, younger. I think Mel Brooks has a lighter attitude towards perhaps, life than perhaps. Jerry Lewis does. And so they play a little bit extra, but basically at the end, because basically what happened is they got to get through and then it's clear that he's tired and he's done. And he's very polite. Like Jerry Lewis is utterly polite. What was he touring for? Oh, I, I, I it was, book. it was a book or something. Yeah. I can't remember. Sorry. Um, you know, and they just sort of talked about this, you know, but you know, and they felt like, no, this wasn't enough of interview and it wasn't a WTF interview. Yeah. He's like, maybe someday we, we package it in like a clips episode or something, but pretty much it was sort of fascinating to hear that because I like to hear other people's editorial sensibility. Like, what do you keep? What do you, what do you kick? You know? Yeah. You would think that WTF, which puts out so many episodes a week, uh, wouldn't Two. be throwing anything away. And they've never missed one. Yeah. Right? Uh, which I didn't even even quite realize that. It's funny that I think two a week is like a is like an unattainable. Well, they, I mean, and, and essentially at this point, while Mark has had a TV show for a few seasons and right. I have seen, he does some other things. And he does a stand-up This tours. is their job, right? Yeah. And that came home at the end uh, because Brendan basically asked Mark, so what are you most proud of? And Mark got all choked up. And said, I'm most proud of the fact that, you know, you, you know, were able to basically work on this full time. And the moment you told me you could buy a house because you work on this podcast now after all these years, because he, for the most part, it wasn't his day job for a very long time. And, you know, I mean, they they have this point at which now, right, with, you know, twice a week and they've built up a following enough that it's dependable and whatever. And I've heard Mark say in other circumstances, in other interviews, basically like – 
TV shows, all this stuff is going to come and go. The podcast is where I'm staying. This is my home. This is what I do. Yeah. It was really um, the story of Mark Marin uh, these days is definitely about um, his, his, the second renaissance of his career was, was podcasting. Yeah. And he's, he'd sort of slid into uh, obscurity without it. And it's nice to see that he's not, treating it as like a stepping stone that he's stepping on, that he's really sort of respecting the medium and respecting what he's been able to do with it. That's sure. really nice, I think, for other podcasters to hear, to hear that it's not, because there was a time not too long ago when it seemed like there were, I would read these semi, these sort of patronizing, semi-dismissive articles about podcasting, in which they would sort of say, is podcasting sort of the forum of, you know, B-list has been celebrities, comedians who need a jump to their career. And will it just be sort of a stepping stone for people onto their, to revitalizing and getting back into movies and television. Hmm. And it seems like that hasn't been true. Like, it seems like instead it's become an actual, like really good vehicle for people. Um, not just as a way to kind of keep their names out there, but as, you know, part of their, panoply of, of projects. Interesting choice of words. Yeah, right. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was also interesting talking. I talked to a few fans as much as I could in, in terms of in terms of time, and people seem to be having a good time. They came from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, gender balance. Wow. On stage too? Um, yeah, I didn't count on stage. I, I mean, so we had a number of female hosted shows, mm-hmm. but I can't tell you what the percentage is off the top of my head. Um, but our attendee, balance was like 52% male, 48% female. There you go. So, and, and, and that certainly showed through in looking at the crowd and, and talking with people and, you know, definitely I would say, you know, the age group is definitely right around 30 ish. It seemed to be it. It's probably where both you have a little bit more disposable income to come to a, a podcast festival for a weekend, as well as, uh, you know, still the interest in whatever else. And I had a kind of an interesting conversation after everything wrapped up on Sunday. Uh, I was waiting, you know, just kind of hanging out in the hotel waiting to go to the airport. And I talked to this uh, couple who were in the bar in the in the hotel uh, who were there from Minneapolis. And they were really fascinated by the business. Had a lot of really thoughtful and informed questions about, like, how does podcasting work and how does yeah. all of this happen? And, you know, big fans, of course, uh, but really very invested and thoughtful. And I, I keep finding that amongst podcast fans. Like they they want to know things and, and they're really paying attention and they kind of want to understand the structure of it all and how it all works. And they're and of course, and they're very supportive, like they kind of feel like and this is something which I think is important for podcasting to maintain, although I'm sure there will be structural elements that threaten it at times. This sense of uh, the intimacy. Right. Right. And not, you know, yeah, well, these of the guys choice. are my best friends. Because but... I press I press a button every week to participate in this product. It's not it's not a background. It's not something that was there when my dad was born, the way radio is, you know, or television. Like this is this is a uh, this is special still. Yeah. And then you get to go to this thing where for the most part hosts are just they go to other shows like, you know, not every single one, but the majority of hosts are around. And for uh, mm. we we had some meet and greets that were sort of oh, everybody because it's still small. Yeah. It's and we had meet small and greets. enough that they'll pay attention to you. Well, I think we see that it's sort of happening in music again. I don't know if you've noticed this, that, you know, I mean, because of the music industry not doing great compared to what it was doing at the turn of the, turn of the century. 
uh, bands are making more money from touring, and mm-hmm. they're also learning that they need to make themselves more accessible to some extent in right. the touring and, and meet, make meet and greets and, and things like that part of uh, some ticket packages uh, because they're relying more on their fans and the sort of that relationship with their fans maybe than they did when you could reliably sell out, sell 10 million records. Um, so I don't know, Jennifer, have you been to, I mean, uh, Jennifer, I, I, I may have asked you this before, but I mean, are you a big podcast consumer? Not really. I mean, other than the radio survivor podcast. Um, Aww. and, and I'm, I'm curious, actually at a recent conference, I went to a panel that was hosted by some people from the Philadelphia podcast festival that you mentioned. Okay. Um, and in the room, it seemed like most of the attendees also had their own podcasts. So I'm curious, at, at your festival, do you think a lot of the people in attendance also do podcasting? I mean, definitely some did because they told you about it. Like, there are definitely <laughs> some people who are kind of intentionally trying to network and press the flash and handing out their card or, or whatever. And I saw some flyers around in, like, the merch room um, for other people's podcasts. Um, and I definitely saw some social media traffic where people were uh, like, it was from like, they were tweeting from their, their account for their podcast. So, you know, I can't really tell you what, what percentage, uh, but certainly, uh, there were some folks there. And I know that say at LA Podfest, which has been going on for about four years now, they've often included some like basically panels on podcasting right in in addition to the live uh to the live stuff but we didn't do any of that at now hear this because we really wanted to be about like uh, be fan focused yeah that that's Got it. that's sort of um that's sort of like uh selling the idea of getting into podcasting as a conference has always sort of rubbed me the wrong way. Well, you know, so one of our sponsors is the uh, Podcast Movement Conference. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, one of the one of the co-founders of that conference now works for Midroll because mm-hmm. he's a CPA. So we hired him as a business manager. He's a great guy. And he helped do this. And a podcast movement, you're right, is is is. I mean, I would not say it's a pot. It's not a conference that's about making money as a podcaster. Sure. It's a conference for podcasters, which is yeah, it's different. It's different than a pyramid scheme where it's like get in now. Well, right, you know, right, while the right. Good, let, me, let me tell you how to right. Please you know, pay five hundred dollars for the privilege. Yeah, yeah. No, it is definitely more like if you're a podcaster, come here, and there will be lots of sessions about upping your game. So sure. some of it includes monetization, but some of it also includes interview skills. Some of it includes, you know, overview of like tech you might want to use, you know, marketing, all sorts of things. It, it's a wide variety of things and you can kind of pick what you want to do there. But, you know, like this year, uh, which I didn't get to go to a uh, podcast movement. It was held in Chicago this past July. But I think this year, you know, Roman Mars, I think, was one of the keynotes, right. as was Sarah Koenig from Serial. Um, and, and these are folks who are going to focus really much on the art and the right. practice um, of what they do. Um, no, I'm not trying to put in a plug for a uh, podcast movement, although they did uh, sponsor our uh, our um, newsletter for a little while. Uh, so thank you to them. Which newsletter? The Radio Survivor oh, Newsletter. Oh, how wonderful. The Radio Survivor Bulletin. When you say it, our, 
I wasn't sure if yep, you were the radio surviving or mid rolling. Um, so anyway, it was it was you know I mean it was fun. It was fun to kind of I mean I got a chance to to talk briefly with Brendan McDonald. I yeah. got a chance to meet meet Mark, uh, um, who I've never met before, uh, and uh, just talk very briefly. He seemed pretty tired. It's understandable, and, and talk with some some other podcasters and and just other folks in the industry because mm-hmm. um, we also wanted to make sure that you know it was a, it was a, it was a fun place for people who are into podcast to go, including people who, who are sort of in the industry, such as it is. Um, so it's it's curious, you know, uh, to see, and you know, uh, you know, we'll see what the next one is like. Yeah, and that where, sounds where great. It is. What's uh, your what's what's the what's the podcast that you didn't know about last week that now you are interested in? Gosh, you know, so I don't know that there was one I didn't know about, and okay. that's in sort of just part of parcel of being in the industry, so right. to speak. I think um, the podcast I didn't get to see that I wish I'd seen. Okay. Um, and it was just scheduling and whatever else I wasn't is called found. Oh yeah. 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 Um, used to be a zine. It still is. Well, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Of course. I know but that it's zine. so much bigger than a zine. It's like Boing Boing used to be a zine. Well, right. it still is, but anyway. Well, it's an online zine, but they yeah. still publish. But found. so, yeah. And so I dug out, I have found issue number one. Oh, how nice. And, I, I actually got a chance to talk to uh, Davey Rothbart, who's the founder, publisher, and the host of the uh, of the podcast. Yeah, and, and a very early uh, breakout star of the This American Life universe. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and Starley, actually, Starley Kine, uh-huh. who used to be on This American Life, uh, had a show with Gimlet called Mystery Show. Um, and she was a guest on his podcast, Unfound. Okay. And But she apparently also was a contributor to Found Z number one. That makes sense. Because I, I dug, well, that's why she was going to be on. And then I, then Ellen helped me, my wife Ellen helped me dig out our copy of Found Number One. And there her name was in. And for uh, uh, Jennifer, uh, can you tell people what Found Magazine is? Do you, can you uh, give it a, a quick description? Well, from what I remember, basically, I think people would submit things that they just had found on the street, et cetera. So they would publish like weird notes that had been found. And to me, it, it connected with me because I'm that sort of person who would find like somebody's homework that was left on the street and I would find it fascinating. So it was stuff like that, like weird or, grocery or photographs. Lists. I mean, cause you know, we're going back now. It started, you know, 15 years ago, nearly. So back in the day when people didn't have digital cameras, I remember photographs, right? Receipts, something people had written on that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Like Polaroids and yeah. pictures and yeah. imagine anything that you might spot on the street. Um, cause at one point they did an issue called dirty found. <laughs> which sure. is you know exactly what you think it is <laughs> yeah ephemera and it's funny like in a really weird coincidence um on kfjc where i dj i believe um robert emmett he does a show called Thoughtline once a week which is a public affairs talk show and i think he interviewed somebody from found and i feel like i called in on that episode because he was asking what interesting things have you found um, and I called in because I had found somebody's diary at Goodwill. Oh, wow. So that was my wow. My tale. Wow, that's something. That that that's a podcast right there. That's a that's a that's a radio survivor extra right there. Maybe we call up, call up Davey Rothbart and, and do a crossover episode. Um, I know. Yeah, and the funny thing is, so going back to that found zine. So Zine in that his first issue was just photocopied. Yeah. And I actually had a copy of that which we donated to the Urbana-Champaign Independent Media Center Library, which uh, my wife I, Ellen helped to I see found. a golden light glowing around uh, Oh yeah, <laughs> the, this white, black and white 
Piece yeah, yeah. Uh, we donated to the library, um, which has a zine library, which, as far as we know, was still extant and still active in collecting. Um, but then, and then we replaced it with he did an offset version, basically, because it was so popular. But I remember there was a conference that was called the Underground Publishing Conference that used to happen in Bowling Green, Ohio, uh, at where you went to school for your master's degree, Jennifer, to get your That's degree right. in popular culture, started by people who were in that program, um, uh, who used to publish a magazine called Clamor out of Bowling Green, which was sort of a a kind of grassroots radical politics and art magazine. Cool. Um, and found was there. I mean, that's how I first found out about it. We're using the word too many times. Okay. Was being at, at this, at the Underground Publishing Conference. Um, that conference turned into what was called the Allied Media Conference, which was a big focus on trying to uh, help organize uh, grassroots communities to use media in all sorts of ways. And it's continued. It moved to Detroit um, and was handed off to new to new people to kind of a new governing and steering committee. And it still goes on to this day um, uh, with a real focus on communities uh, uh, of color and um, other sorts of grassroots action. And using media as part of that. So just putting a little plug there. But that's kind of goes back. I mentioned that to Davey and he and I had a short conversation about that. And he'd been to the Urbana-Champaign Independent Media Center because he's been an artist in residence at Allen Hall, which is like the kind of live-learn dorm at the University of Illinois. And of course, hmm. we, we both know the director there. So anyway, it's a small world once you start digging deep into these indie media oh recesses. God, totally. So that yeah. was a real nice thing to be able to have a chance to talk with uh, Davey at the uh, at the after party there. How wonderful. Yeah, that I'm going to subscribe to that podcast You know, now. I would, and just <laughs> as one last, I haven't yeah, yeah, exactly. As one little kind of uh, side note, I've in the back of my head always had this thought of us doing a live radio survivor. Oh, sure. Um, maybe, you know, I think it would work at some place like NFCB could probably work at GRC at grassroots radio conference. It's just a matter of getting, you know, at least two of us, I think <laughs> any two of us, I think would work. So we'd be live on stage, live on stage, right? With yeah. some of the good people that we could only, uh, get live with us because they're there at the conference. Right. And we could do a different format. I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, I think there's all these ways we could play with it. Um, you know, and I, I, I'm, you know, it would just, I would want to know that people would, sh at least a few people would show up. That would be kind of nice. Um, so I'm really curious to know if any, any folks in Radio Survivor land uh, would be into that. Drop us a line, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. If you have a suggestion of a venue or a time or a place, um, that would be good. You know, uh, you know, you're like, oh, there's this event that we know about. Be good because I know that uh, the podcast at Current, the pub, so Current, the uh, Journal of, of public media, um, they do. Uh, they've done several live podcasts, and yes. mostly at public radio events like uh, the Public Radio Program Directors Conference, or and of course, public radio being what it is, and being so much more sort of official and moneyed, uh, they have a lot more conferences. Yeah, and the kind of conferences where you know stations have the money to send my, <laughs> to send their people. My favorite fully part paid. about about his live episodes at conferences is he will. Um, he will use that moment uh, very scientifically. He will he will poll the audience oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. about the topic, and their response is an important. Uh, you know, it's I'm joking about it being scientific. It's anecdotal, 
But if if there's a hundred people in the room and and twenty of them raise their hands to answer a question about about their thinking about an industry topic, it's a legitimate. I'd love to have that. Yeah, it's a legitimate use of the crowd. It's always yeah, wonderful. That'd be great. I'd love to have that. Or you know, Jennifer, I mean, we could do it at like a CBI. I mean. How many of you are yeah, thinking about inclusion? How yeah. many are you thinking about diversity? What are you doing? Yeah, how are you doing it? Yeah. I mean, so uh, that's a just... big question. That actually that came up at a few conferences that I attended recently. Wonderful. That's a great topic, Eric. That's wonderful. So let's put this bug in in the Rayo Survivors uh ear. Be right? on it. Well we, so we've got 2017 to think about now, right? Oh boy. So we know we know there'll be an NFCB, we know there'll be a GRC, we know there'll be a CBI. Um, there might be something in the Northwest here. There's maybe things in California, maybe things elsewhere that we just don't know about. And so here's where, where I think the listeners can help. One, let us know. Give us some feedback. That's absolutely helpful. Send us an email, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Or you could drop a note at our Facebook page or you could tweet us. I think those are all ways you can get a hold of us. Second, I mean, we can use your help. We were able to help Jennifer out with some of her expenses to go to the Grassroots Radio Conference and all these great colleges and stations all around uh, the Arkansas area. Um, and that's because we have a little bit of money coming in with our Patreon account. If we can increase that, it's easier for us to bring the show on the road. It's easier. And I think that that's important because, right, it, it, it allows us to easily expand who we talk to. And, and I think in some ways shake it up because maybe we'll end up talking with people we who are there that we wouldn't even know we should talk to that it just for whatever reason we have the lack of knowledge that we should be talking to people but because they're on the ground at a conference or somewhere like this they're going to present themselves with information and ideas and thoughts that are novel unheard of um, to us at the very least if not to much of, of the audience here and we can, you know, so, so, I mean, cause I'm kind of thinking it'd be great to have a panel, but you know, part of me is just kind of like, gosh, I just kind of want to have the, you know, let, let's not just make this sort of like three people talking to, to 20, but ca- how, you know, how could we turn it into, to the, to the 20, 30, 40 people in the room talking to the, the, the audience, the radio yeah. survivor podcast. Well, audience. That's, that's where it's nice to be, to have permission to not turn it into an episode of the podcast. Yeah. It could be a different yeah, or at least to turn it into pieces of future yeah. podcasts, right? There's just all these ways to do it. But we can really use your help. I mean, you know, it takes some takes some scratch uh, to book those tickets and maybe take time off work or, yeah. or you know, uh, you know to, to bring along your, your, your daughter or your son or to find a place for them to be during that time. Uh, so, you know, we could help you – if you could help us out with our Patreon campaign in particular because that's where you, you give a little bit of money every month. Uh, to help us continue on, right? It, it allows us to have a little predictable amount of money every single, uh, every single month. And so whether it's like a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, then we can start to budget for these things. Um, and, you know, a dollar a month, I think for a lot of folks, isn't very much, but it really adds up for us. Ten dollars even, even adds up more. So if you go to patreon.com slash radio survivor, you could pledge there. You may not be able to make that kind of commitment. We totally understand. So a one-time donation is also super helpful if you can spare some money. Go to radiosurvivor.com slash support, and we have ways that you can give one time to the podcast and to the website. Whatever you can do, we really, really appreciate it. And, and really kind of help us, you know, help us plan for 2017. Maybe, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing things to not be so burnt out. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm always excited after I talk with both of you. That's good. So I'm always energized. So I think we can kind of uh, maybe we can have a, a, a new a new perspective on the year. Yes, you should be excited about 2017. So uh, we're recording on November 4th, which is College Radio Day. Um, so grand celebration of college radio and hundreds of stations around the world are doing special programming. Um, is there any kind of uh, – last year I know they wanted to do sort of a relay. Is anything like that happening or stations kind of uh, doing anything sort of coordinated or is it a bit more like just everyone's kind of contributing in the way they can, kind of like National Radio Day? I mean it's a few different things. Um, more than 400 stations – thus far have signed up to participate in some way and they can participate however they would like. Um, 86 of those are from outside the United States, which I thought was kind of interesting from 19 different countries. And so as a nod to this sort of world college radio day idea, there is a 24 hour streaming broadcast where each hour is from a different radio station. Oh, right. Wonderful. From different parts of the world. So that actually started at midnight in Finland. Um, and I, I got to listen to some of this the day before College Radio Day in North America. <laughs> so I listened to a few stations from Greece and from Ireland and Finland and Hong Kong, um, which was really cool. And each station had a different take on on how to use their hour. So... Um, a station in Israel was going to play all music from Israel, a station from Ireland that I tuned into flirt FM. They played all music from Ireland mm -hmm. um, and flirt FM. Um, it was cool. I tuned in because I'd actually visited flirt FM. It was the one station in this 24 hour broadcast that I visited. And I was really surprised and excited because the person one of the two hosts um, is the station manager, Paula Healy, and I've met her. So it was cool to be listening from afar and hearing somebody that you've met. Yeah. And Jennifer, it was 5 I'm sorry. How common is college radio overseas? Is it the same as the United States or is it a little more of a rare thing? Well, I'm not an expert internationally. Um, I'm trying to become an expert in the United States, but the only place I've visited college radio stations outside of the United, the United States is Ireland. So I have a little bit of a handle on how it works in Ireland. Um, and I know college radio is a much more recent phenomenon than in the United States. Um, and licensing works differently in every country. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to generalize, but, you know, as the 24 hour broadcast makes clear, there are college radio stations or student radio stations in lots of different places. Yeah. Uh, so in Ireland, there's actually been sort of a concerted effort for the student radio stations to organize. And Paula has been really involved in that. And I was super pleased in her hour to hear, um, she included clips from interviews with some different college radio stations in Ireland. So I thought that was a really good use of the hour. So you wow. imagine yeah. people might be tuning in from all over the world and not only are they hearing Irish music, which is, it's part of the mandate. Um, if you have a student radio license in Ireland, you have to play a certain percentage of Irish music, um, which is really different than the United States where we don't have that kind of content requirement. So I thought it was great for listeners to be hearing the Irish music and then to be hearing 
reports from different college radio stations there. So, you know, every station on the broadcast approached the hour in a different way, but I was super glad to have caught that hour. You know, not only did I know the person, but also that it had sort of a geeky, um, you know, here, let's tell you about yeah. college radio in can Ireland. We, can we still hear that or is it gone with the airwaves? We're hoping that all of this will be archived. Mm. I, I asked. Because um, I know me and I know an, another person who would like to hear that hour. So, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, well, and, and it was also exciting because I, I made a social, some social media comments like, oh, I'm listening. And so then she started talking about me uh-huh. <laughs> on the broadcast. Talking about my work and that I'd visited the station, and she mentioned Radio Survivor. Um, so I definitely had this sort of like celebrity feeling moment. It was very exciting, um, <laughs> but also like the moment of the world is really small, and I love building these college radio connections. In that, you know, I'm tuning into this marathon, and I happen to know one of the people. You know, it's it was a good feeling. Yeah, and I know one of the founders of Flirt FM, Andrew O'Poyle, who uh, I went to graduate school with for a time at the University right. of Illinois. And uh, he's now uh, back. So the Flirt FM is at the University in Galway, Ireland. And right. he is back there. He is now a professor there at Galway, which was his undergraduate alma mater. Yeah, and, and I got to be sort of pen pals with him, too. He's He's really helped me understand more about how college radio works in Ireland. Yeah. So it's been great building those connections because it is really different than in the United States. Um, A lot of stations there have temporary FM licenses for their student radio stations. Temporary. They may only be on FM for six weeks out of the whole year. Yeah, that's common in the UK as well. So our – like (laughs) the way radio works in the United States and to some extent Canada and Mexico – is kind of unique in the world. Mm-hmm. Independent radio stations that are commercial or run by nonprofits or whatever is a fairly recent phenomenon outside of the Americas. Sure. So now I know that there's a, uh, a pretty good history of college radio also in Australia. It's a pretty rich system of community and college radio. Yeah. That, that isn't quite as old as in the United States. They have, com- yeah, com- they have uh, listener-sponsored community yeah, radio. Yeah, but that, that, that goes back quite some time. But in many other countries, it was a long Latin time. Latin America, too, has um, – I'm starting to learn more about Latin America. Right. That yeah, Mexico really- in particular. Yeah, is it time just to say that in 2017, Radio Survivor will be going international? <laughs> this is on all of we'll, our we'll minds our best. all the time. I mean, we yeah. – right, we, we, we're, we're, we're not leaving. We're not leaving the, the United States unless uh, – Unless things dramatically change, but we're certainly going to be talking to more people that know more about uh, world community radio. We have our pen pal Alvaro Burns, yeah. who is in uh, Brazil, uh, who who runs community radio there. Yeah. So we know that it's throughout, but it's sort of uh, it's flowering in sort of much of the world outside of the Americas. People can listen to the interview that I recorded with Jim Ellinger on the eve of the Grassroots Radio Conference because he um, has had the opportunity to to travel the world helping to build uh, some of these community radio stations. So we focused on uh, one of the ones he helped with in Borneo. Yeah. So there you so, go. But it just, Community radio around the world. Radio is basically, is has been sort of historically in much of the world a state monopoly. You know, often right. whether it's a BBC or a Deutsche Welle, 
you know, you know, so maybe an independent sort of state funded broadcaster, but it's usually it has had a monopoly, um, which sort of eroded over the course of, of sort of the latter half of the uh, 20th century, especially like, you know, from the 70s onward, depending on what country you're in. That's the thumbnail sketch. And I'm sure someone will correct me. And I hope you do correct yeah. us. Podcast, Ariosurvivor.com. So we'll have some notes about uh, College Radio Day. And I'm certain, uh, Jennifer, are you working on that for your College Radio Watch uh, that goes live? today, November 4th? Yes, it's already live. Okay. Um, so I have sort of an outline of, of College Radio Day and links to a bunch of news stories about College Radio Day. Um, this year, another new thing that they're launching is a grant program. So stations were able to submit grant proposals to receive funding for projects. Wow. And so that's part of the College Radio foundation that they are now issuing grants cool so uh and then so still on college radio then um you know you are back (laughs) and continue to bring out some reports to us from your whirlwind tour uh in in arkansas and so you have another uh station to share with us um and I thought, uh, you know, from what you were able to, you told us ahead of the show, this is kind of a unique station. Um, I mean, every single one's sort of a unique, right? Unique. But I think this one sort of has some, some qualities that kind of stand out in kind of the, the way that the, the station reflects like the, the academic and, and learning approach of, of this particular college. Uh, Jennifer, could you kind of tell us what, what the station is and then fill us in on that? Yeah, it's KHDX at Hendricks College in Conway, Arkansas. And it's a Class D FM station that's been around since the early 1970s over FM. And and then I think they had some carrier current stations starting in the 40s, as far as I can ascertain. Um, but it's a small liberal arts college of around 1,400 students. And, and the school has... Um, an interesting program called the Odyssey program that's focused on experiential learning. So it's, it's built into everybody's um, path of study there that um, students are designing a lot of their own projects based on their own interests. And a lot of it has to do with creative pursuits too. So I think even at the station, students are able to create their own projects that fit in with this experiential learning model. Hmm. So you know, when I arrived there, what struck me was um, all of the creative things that I spotted around the station. Like they had beautiful graphic design everywhere, beautiful posters for some of the concerts that they'd done. They did their own CD compilation that had amazing artwork on it. Um, They've got some of the coolest looking t-shirts I've ever seen that have original student artwork on them. Um, and they also have a very active website. They do a lot of blogging. And yeah, it was one of the most active blogs I've seen for a college radio station, if not just kind of any non-commercial station. And the variety of topics, and you know, from art to politics to music, uh, was really impressive. <laughs> we'll put it'll be in our show notes, uh, radiosurvivor.com yeah. slash podcast. This is episode number seventy. Um, but I definitely think folks to check it out. I was, I was really impressed. Yeah. And I think, I think their programming reflects all those topics hmm. too. You know, when I talked to them, it seemed like they had 
a real mix of music shows and talk shows and podcasts um, as well. Um, and I think they were talking about creating a moth-like podcast mm. even. So, so like live storytelling. A lot of, yeah. Um, and the station manager, Anna Connard, she's an English and creative writing major. So some ah, of that could be her influence. That's why she's um, allowing people the opportunity to, to write well, you on know, the internet. So I get the sense, you know, that. Well, she's a student. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get the sense that it's not about allowing, right? That there's this interesting collaborative aspect that, I mean, you know, every college radio station is collaborative. Yeah, I meant more right? like opening the floodgates. Maybe allowing. opening the floodgates, yeah. yeah. So, you know, so Jennifer, you, you had a chance to Permission. talk to their advisor, um, and you don't always have that chance. And, um, yeah. and, and she, uh, comparatively speaking to college radio advisors, she has sort of uh, a, a sort of slightly different background. I would say, um, and and one that really I think uh, also is well lends itself well to that to the station. Uh, tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, Maureen McClung is their faculty advisor, and she's also an assistant professor of biology, which, um, in my experience, is somewhat unusual mm -hmm. because often faculty advisors for college radio stations tend to be in communications departments um, and departments that seem like maybe a natural fit with radio. Um, but as we all know, a, a lot of people are interested in college radio, you know, regardless of what our career ends up being. Um, and so Maureen had gone to Hendricks as an undergraduate and she'd been involved with the station when she was a student. And then she went to grad school at university of Arkansas and was a DJ there at KXUA, which was the subject of our podcast last Everyone week. Everyone should listen to last week's podcast. Yeah, which was great. Um, so she, you know, she has experience as a college radio DJ at a couple of stations, um, and now she's back at Hendrix as a professor. Hmm. So I was excited to talk to her because she had has an interesting perspective having been at multiple stations and having been at this station as a student and now as a faculty advisor. So I think we're going to hear a little bit of, of what she has to say. I think it's given me an appreciation for the unique set of values for each station. Um, the way KHDX is run is worlds apart from how KXUA was run. And I think that, um, you got to have respect for that and sort of let it be its own being um, and, and adapt, but also find a way to sort of help create your own little niche and contribute to it in a way that sort of promotes the goals of, of each station. So KXUA is very much about promoting unheard um, artists, really focusing on uh, sort of an eclectic collection of music. At least that's what it was when I was there. And when I came down here, um, Hendricks is such a, a very student-oriented entity uh, that's very much reflected in the, the programming we have here. Students are encouraged to explore their passions specifically, and so we get things like the Public Domain Book Club and this Hendricks Life and the Elephant in the Room, these, where people are exploring political issues or literature or, um, you know, just the storytelling on Hendricks campus. And so I think we get uh, quite a range of of programming, uh, you know, different types of programs because of that. And it, so it's very much more about sort of expressing yourself 
at, at KHGX and it was, say, at KXUA, which mm-hmm. sort of had a more outward goal of promoting eclectic music. And that was Maureen McClung, the faculty advisor from KHDX. And yeah, I'm really glad I asked her to contra- contrast her two radio experiences. Me too. Especially since I had just visited the station at University of Arkansas. <laughs> so it was very interesting. I want to give her a big hug because <laughs> that to me is what I want to hear from a college radio advisor is that respect for what the students have built and put together over time and not to kind of want to come in and turn it into something else. Because I think sometimes there are these advisors who come in and want to uh, kind of lay on it. Fix the station. Fix the station or make it more indie in the one hand, you know, say, okay, well, you should be more about the independent music. Or on the other hand, professionalize it sometimes and make it more like commercial radio. And and, And I'm sure it's not a matter of the fact that you come into a college station and there aren't things to be fixed. But I think often the things to be fixed are more about details and and often more about infrastructure, quite frankly, than they are necessarily about the culture. Support. But to find the things that work and to find the things that the students are passionate about and really love and to support them in that and to respect that. And and what I hear from her is that respect, true respect for the students, you know, as broadcasters and not feeling like, uh, she is the uh, authority to come in and tell them all how it's supposed to be done. So I'm just it, yeah. it, made, it warmed my heart to hear her speak that. And the way and the way she was speaking and the way um, the student station director Anna was speaking, um, it was very much like they were colleagues. Um, and in this next clip, we're going to hear about the collaborative vibe at the station, which I think is it's really part of that that she helps set that up. Or she's just kind of like slipping into a collaborative vibe that was already there seamlessly. You know, it's hard to know which came first. So something that started organically was uh, I would have KHDX staff over to my house periodically throughout the year. um, A sort of a bonding experience where I get the staff to know each other and I wanted to... um, seal my position in the group as well as a friend and not an overlord. And so um, I had the staff out uh, when there was a big shift in the staff in the spring of 2013, um, or maybe it was, it was 14. And they brought their guitars and they started playing. And then we had this, this moment where we decided this should become a regular thing. And my husband works on campus here for the media services department. And we started doing this thing called the Barefoot Campfire Sessions, where we'd invite different singer-songwriters from campus to come to our backyard, sit around a fire, and play some of their songs. And we would record it on video. And my husband goes back and sort of edits it into little YouTube videos. And so now we have this really neat collection of some of the singer-songwriters who've been here and left a mark um, that we can actually go back and, and revisit through these videos. So it's been that's been a really cool thing. And we, we need to get going on one for this year, yeah. I think, because um, we try to do one or two every year. And it's nice because it's like, yeah, obviously like more casual mm-hmm. and acoustic than mm-hmm. um, the recordings that we have on the albums. Yeah. And didn't it just start with like you guys just like whipped out your phones? And, yeah, like, well, so I think it started with um, Hope and Anna and Katie were playing at that first like 
let's all get the staff together in my backyard. And we said this should become a regular thing. And the next time we got together, yeah, Travis oh, pulled out his iPhone. Mm-hmm. And we recorded, and there were um, cicadas in the background, and it was just this real Did sort of... crackling in the fire. Yeah, it was this real sort of organic recording. And then, and then we started getting serious. We'd bring out, like, lighting and, like, really <laughs> nice recorders. So it's sort of the, the, the production value has gone way up since the, the first days. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a really great little visual and audio collection of some of the talent that's been on campus. And Jennifer, do you know where uh, people could see those uh, videos of these uh, these barefoot sessions? Yeah, it's on YouTube, so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, and they also they also reference the compilations that the station has put together. They and those we'll link to as well. They have um, two different compilations um, that are students, singer songwriters, and then another compilation has some staff and faculty singer-songwriters as well. And those are posted on Bandcamp. So we'll share those How as nice. well. Yeah. The, uh, th- what I like about this so much is that last week, one of the little nuggets that that really uh, that, that I held on to and got very excited about was how um, the station manager there at uh, KXUA uh, was, was talking about how at his aspiration was for that the station uh, to be to be sort of the to be to be a, a an important part like a helpful um, part of the creative community of the campus and the wider town and it sounds like at this other station in Arkansas that is uh, also very much the case yeah yeah that's a good that, that's a good point and there's also like you you're telling me about something else that they do um that uh is is sort of about supporting kind of this free dissemination of music yeah, they, I've never seen this before, but they have a little wooden box in the station called the Little Free Music Library, and it's fashioned after the whole Little Free Library concept where you have these, somebody might build a little wooden box and place it outside their dwelling, and it's a place where you can uh, drop off books and take books. It's like a free library. So the Little Free Music Library in the station is a place where People can drop off a CD or take a CD, and that could be any, it could be a CD from your own collection, it could be a mixed CD that you put together, and it sounds like you can also put in a review of the CD as well, and then people can just share music that way. Very nice, and and it, it is actively used? Did you see people, did you see CDs in there? Uh, yes, I opened it up and I saw CDs in there. Did you take any? And, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I just asked about it. <laughs> we should have. We sh- it's too bad. We should have sent you with CDs of the of the podcast. <laughs> I know that's the, the well, most I, efficient way to distribute it. I mean, as you know, I'm doing about a hundred things on these station visits, so I'm I'm trying to ask every question. I'm trying to <laughs> photograph. I'm trying to take notes. I'm trying to record things for the podcast, and and make it on time to my next destination. So. Um, so this tour was my my second stop on a very busy day where I awoke before dawn. Um, so I didn't do it all, but um, I did some of it. <laughs> no, you did absolutely, and you were, and you know, I want to say maybe you were a participant observer because uh, the fact that you do these tours and you visited there and the context for your visit to, to Arkansas, uh, ended up having, ended up having an effect on the station and on some of the uh, volunteers. Oh, that's, 
Oh, that's right. So when I was arranging my tour, I emailed um, people at KHDX and I said, hey, I'm going to be in Arkansas for the Grassroots Radio Conference and I'd like to come visit. And, uh, and so when I wrote that in my email, they said, hmm, what's the Grassroots Radio Conference? <laughs> <laughs> and so they researched it and they decided to go. So four people from KHDX ended up going to the Grassroots Radio Conference, sure. including Anna, the Which station is right manager. down the road from them. They, were, they could drive. They could drive. So they did a road trip. Um, and then I got to see them at the Grassroots Radio Conference. And they had a great time. They were super enthusiastic. I saw them asking questions in various sessions. And, and then they wrote up a blog post recapping the conference, which I actually just found this week. Um, and so they were excited and it sounds like they hope to go to another one again. So they really enjoyed meeting people from other stations. They were definitely in the minority there because there were only a handful, if that, of college radio stations represented at the conference. So, um, I give them kudos to that too, because I'm sure at times they felt out of place, but I think that the overall radio vibe was so exciting for them that it seemed to me that they didn't, uh, they didn't seem to look out of place, but I kept thinking about them. Like, I wonder if this is weird, you know, that they're here amongst all these stations that are not like them exactly. Um, but that didn't seem to matter. They seemed to just be soaking in all the information and they made a lot of contacts there. So that made me really happy. And then on top of that, when I was following up with Anna about something, she told me that when she went home to her hometown of Atlanta for fall break, she decided to go visit two radio stations. So she visited WREK and WRAS in Atlanta. So warms my heart. And if, if Anna is listening to the sound of my voice, please feel free to record those radio station tours that you take uh, for the rest of your life. Or and yeah, and, I mean, and send us email <laughs> email us a copy of your report. We you know, will, we really should be recruiting the- our correspondents at all of these uh, at all of these stations, Jennifer. We should be we should just uh, yeah. we should be spreading the 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 idea yeah. far and wide, at the, or at the very least, just repeating the work that they've already uh, accomplished. <laughs> For themselves I and know. just amplifying that it that it exists. I love it. Well, it's, it, it's it's so interesting because you know, friends of mine in California were like, "You're going to Arkansas? Why are you going to Arkansas?" Yeah. And and um, and the two stations that we've talked about on the podcast so far were they were both such inspiring visits, and and the students at both stations also went and visited other college radio stations after mm, I visited. Sure. I'm going to add a third station that we've been talking about on the podcast that's been inspiring, the the one that hosted the Grassroots Radio Conference. Yeah, the station in Hot Springs, Arkansas, too. Yeah, um, was, I, mean, I mean, the whole hearing, trip. And I, hearing those DJs that had just recently discovered their passion for... <laughs> For, for community radio or rediscovered their passion for radio there in Hot Springs, Arkansas was really inspiring. It's been it's been a month of inspiration from from the state of Arkansas. I know, and we're not done yet. I still have more station tours from Arkansas. Um, so I'm, you know, it was a very last minute decision for me to go to Arkansas, and I'm so glad I went. Um, you know, I met some people who I feel like I'm going to stay in touch with for a long time. Um, I had inspiring visits. I learned a lot. So 
yeah, it was great. There's great radio everywhere. I mean, this, this, this is, it's our raison d'etre, right? That there is great radio everywhere. And it's really not hard to find. You just need to turn it on, scan around the left end of the dial. Um, often go near a college campus and scan right. around the left end of the dial. They have a, a class D uh, 10 watt station, which means they don't have a huge broadcast radius. But of course, now, thanks to the internet, <laughs> you could also go to like the College Radio Day website, which has a pretty good directory of college radio stations, and you can scan the internet and find them and maybe find some that are in your backyard or nearby. Um, it's out there. And and we're seeing a flourishing rather than a diminishing. And, uh, you know, it bears repeating show after show, and maybe we're preaching to the converted, but I hope then the converted become uh, uh, evangelists <laughs> on the behalf of the cause of radio and uh, subtly provoke well, and, friends to tune in. And I in. point out with, lo- yeah, and with low power FM, now we have to scan the entire dial. <laughs> That's right, because stations you know, are tucked in everywhere. Yeah, so there's interesting stuff all over the dial. Um, and there are interesting commercial radio stations too, of course. Um, they just have to but, work harder. But yeah, don't don't limit yourself to the left side of the dial. That's right. That's right. And and again, uh, we try to we we provide at least some directory of that. Um, you can also for some of the low power st- stations, you can look to the uh, National Radio Day website. NationalRadioDay.com has some of that. Um, as we all try to compile more and more of this. Uh, Jennifer, thanks again. Uh, I really enjoyed, uh, I mean, I enjoyed this tour, enjoy all the tours. So, you know, me saying this is sort of the same thing every week, but, but because uh, you talk to an advisor whose ethos is, is uh, so heartwarming for me, I'm particularly, uh, I'm particularly chuffed as I'm, they would say. Paul, I'm hoping that when you're an old man, Paul Reese Mandel, you get an opportunity to be a college radio advisor again. It seems <laughs> yeah. like it seems like the way some people uh, have to be grandparents when they grow old, or they're not fulfilling their heart's true uh, mission. It seems like you're you're going to have to be a college radio advisor again. Before it'll be my you're next. Uh, my next. Uh, it'll be my encore career, as yeah. they call them. Absolutely. I know. We probably all should be college radio advisors. <laughs> I just need a job in radio to start with. Be wonderful. Well, uh, thanks again. Of course, uh, we'll have show notes as we do every single week uh, for folks to get all the references, to get the links, follow up on anything we talked about. Go to radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. This will be episode number 70. We did it. Number 70. Uh <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Wasn't sure we'd do something. That was a pregnant that was a pregnant sigh. It was a pregnant sigh there, just in, in standing back. Every I think that's something every podcaster goes through until they're into like until they're well into their triple digits. Now you're taking it for granted. But I think there's always this I think for every podcaster, there's always you feel like you're walking a little bit on ice. Sure. For that for those first hundred and four or so. Let's just say, I'm sure, you know, it's similar with your radio tours, Jennifer, there was this point at which you weren't really sure. And then there was the point of no return, right? Yeah, there's definitely the point of no return. I think we're approaching, this is probably going to be 116. On the radio tours. Yeah. Yeah. Of the ones you've documented, On the radio not tours. the ones you've taken. So I think, I think, you know, with yes. the podcast, you know, I don't want to 
jinx us, though I don't believe in fate and such things. But, you know, and I don't want to make these sort of prognostications. I feel like maybe we're hitting that point of no return. Huh. I don't know how you all feel. I'm putting you on the spot, so feel free to. Well, I, I feel like it because now every time I tour, I feel like I'm preparing for the podcast. Well, there we are. <laughs> That's good. There yeah. we are. And, and Eric and I need to get our stuff together. Um, and, 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 you know, we, 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 and do more of our planning and stuff. I mean, it's too much uh, TMI there, too much, uh, inside baseball. Well, it might, it might bleed through in the following episodes. We might end up talking about this anyway. So the loyal listeners who have stuck with us to the end of this episode have just, uh, had the curtain pulled back a little, a bit. little bit, but that's fine. Yeah. I mean, this is what podcasting is about. That was something that came up, and it came again specifically in in the Mark Marin uh, WTF thing, right. and where he he talked about how Full circle. Uh, you know somebody had uh, sort of emailed him and said, uh, "Man, you need to reset." And in radio terms, what's what's reset mean? Oh yeah, saying everything that you said at the beginning uh, again. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, uh, you're listening to Radio Survivor and blah, blah. And he the goes, Sound Man, of Strong Communities, where we talk about community college. You don't need to do this because people radio. chose to listen. It's yeah. The reset is based upon the oh. fact that people tune in. Right. Right. Cold all the time. Yeah. And you need to bring them up but to date. Did you know these days, I don't know how you guys listen to podcasts, but uh, my podcast app on my iPhone has uh, recently uh be, not it's not I don't know why this is just happening now but podcasts that I subscribed to um are just uh, playing sequentially and I've lost a little bit of the agency uh-huh where mm. yeah I clicked a button who knows how long ago to to subscribe to this podcast but now it's playing in my stream and so it's turning into radio where I might all of a sudden, hmm. tune back in my attention hmm. to a podcast that's already ten to fifteen to twenty minutes. Uh, Interesting. Flowed. Yeah. So, so things. But of course, you can change always in just, podcasts. Of course, with, I can with podcasts, podcasts, I can go back. You well, or you could just look at your phone. Yes. Right. Yeah. What because am they I have hearing? displays that tell you what you're listening to, as opposed to radios, which sometimes they have RDS, the radio data service, and they'll tell you a little bit of what's going on. But sometimes that that data is yeah. fairly but I'm, stale. But I'm or not so exact. certain that you shouldn't reset if you if you like it, if you want to, and you're podcasting, and you wanna you wanna reset halfway through your episode and re-explain why you've uh, entered into this hour of broadcasting it's not necessarily completely out of place anymore oh seven minutes before the top of the hour welcome back to radio survivor 58 <laughs> degrees here in beautiful portland oregon and how about those cubbies how, have a good ah, week that was exciting <laughs> have a good week jennifer it's so glad so glad we had you on the, pro- the program today. thank you everyone for listening thank you do you dial scan not sure where I am. I'm in Arkansas, heading east towards Little Rock. Oh, my God.
KWZ Twin Falls. The Christian Satellite Network. We'll be grooving when the sun goes down. Scream, no sultry summer nights. Deciding RBI single to the solo home running hit earlier in the game. Indians edge the Red Sox. Five.